0: This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show.
1: Michelle Moldovsky is a prime example of someone who developed a law career around who they are as an individual. Now, this is a harder task than you might imagine, especially if you're in the mind of a law student that hasn't yet been directly impacted by the realities of the legal market now michelle works in health law and she used to be the general counsel at st mike's hospital so the reason this episode is special is because michelle doesn't work there anymore she is living a career transition right now and the opportunities and challenges that affords are present and very real for her this experience is what she shares with us in today's episode. Now, this is an honest interview. It is very honest. Michelle talks about money, she talks about her fears, and she talks about struggle. You will go through a transition in your career, and the first transition you will experience is coming faster than you know, right after you graduate and don't have the comfort of knowing a semester is going to start in September. Michelle talks about how she took control of her transition and turned it into an opportunity to continue to follow her interests as a lawyer. She has started the Moldovsky Professional Corporation, where she provides legal advice in health law and corporate commercial law affecting not-for-profit health organizations. Check out the show notes to learn more about Michelle and the Moldovsky Professional Corporation. And thank you for listening. Remember that the law school show is brought to you by a team of volunteers. If you want to get involved, shoot us an email at infotelawschoolshow at dot com. Enjoy. Michelle, nice to have you here. How are you? Thank you very
0: much. I'm uh I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Uh, equally well. Uh definitely. It's nice to have the new year on us and um Yeah, like 360 days left of 2017. What are we going to do with it? (laughs) Um, So I think the last time we sat down was at the end of 2014. And um, for anyone that's curious, episode 20 of the Law School Show, uh, which I think aired in January of 2015, uh, details you from law school through to all your education into... Um, the general counsel position at St. Michael's Hospital. So if anyone's curious, uh, and I'm sure you will be after this conversation, go back and listen to episode 20 for all that stuff. Um, Essentially, we're going to pick up the timeline from where we left off today and uh, see what Michelle has been up to. So um, health law. What is health law?
0: Health law. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that's a a term that... That gets thrown around, it is an interdisciplinary field. So it encompasses a number of different areas of law. Um, and it's basically law that relates to healthcare, the provision of health care um, and the kinds of organizations or people who provide health care, and of course, um, as it relates to the people who receive healthcare services as well, the patients. Um, it can include um, Corporate commercial, uh, it can include intellectual property, but it can also include things that people might expect, like consent capacity and um, regulation of health professionals. So it really does kind of run the gamut, and it can also include uh, medical malpractice, which I think typically people think of first as being Mm -hmm. that's what health law is, but it is broader than that.
1: How many lawyers in the health law bar would you say practicing in the industry?
0: I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea, but it is a competitive um, industry. There are are law firms that are medium-sized to large-sized law firms that have health law groups within them. There are small firms and boutique firms Mm -hmm. that are specifically um, designed to provide health law services. Uh, and then there are sole practitioners like me, and there are also in house counsel. Uh, so it really is uh, an environment that uh, over the last Uh, Well, over the years of my career, so that's about 16, 17 years, um, I've seen a lot of um, interest pick up in health law where uh, young lawyers are calling, asking questions, really interested in getting health law jobs. And so I think it's a lot more competitive now than when I was first seeking out uh, my career in this area.
1: Where are some of the best opportunities for new grads that want to work in the industry?
0: Well, I think there are um, a few opportunities uh, possibly in litigation, but um, the world that I work in is not the litigation world. So uh, there are some opportunities uh, to do things like uh, contract review in-house, there might be policy development types of opportunities, um, and that might exist in uh, certain hospitals, for example, in downtown Toronto. Um, Mm -hmm. There are uh, as well, like I said, small boutique firms that may, from time to time, be seeking an additional lawyer. Uh, But uh, I'm not sure that there are uh, many opportunities. I think the competition for each opportunity is probably quite fierce. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think new law grads hear that often.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a challenge.
1: It's a challenge. That's right. <laughs> Let's frame it positively. Okay. Let's, uh, start to talk about your transition from, uh, St. Michael's hospital to the Moldovsky professional corporation. I guess that was a bit of a spoiler alert. So let's 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 talk about what spurred you leaving St. Mike's as the GC there.
0: Sure. Uh, I think in uh, in a career there are times where decisions um, to move are uh, one's own, and times where those decisions are are sort of um, presented upon you. And um, St. Michael's Hospital made a decision that led to restructuring of their legal department. So I ended up in transition. Uh, it was not of my own accord, but um, I uh, I just um, decided to be very practical about it and, um, and went with it.
1: So how did you feel? I mean, I think, um, and Michelle and I were talking a little bit before we hit record on this interview, and uh, transitions in careers are something that can be um, stressful for people and yeah. um, it's also a, a period where I think there's a lot of different avenues you can take in terms of finding your next position so that's a, that's an interesting thing that we get to dig into here and um, so I mean ha- let's go right back to the to the point where the restructuring occurs how do you feel when you get the news mm. that y- you, you don't have that position anymore
0: well, I was disappointed. I loved that position. So, uh so that was disappointing for me personally. Um but I am uh very practical and it was not really the first time in my life to have transitions. So I think there are a few uh, emotions that come about as a surprise the first time there's a transition. Okay. And some of those might include, you know, a shock that can go with it um some anger uh you know what do you mean i was great <laughs> you know so uh i think there are some emotional elements that that uh need to be addressed and uh i will say that uh because this was not my first transition i think dealing with those uh was much easier because i was able to um look at them and take them in stride um because i had for some time not really uh, expected jobs to be forever jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's sort of a, a a kind of way of thinking that, um, when you get a job and you like it, you kind of might not realize it's not a forever job. Uh, but, uh, it takes some getting used to, you have to kind of treat it like it's, it's not a forever job. Um, and it's the end of a job. It's not the end of my career. So, uh, I, I think I went from my initial disappointment in pretty quickly into um, a sense of adventure, a sense of um, being able to reinvent myself. And that part I kind of like, actually. Cool. I like saying to myself, okay, what am I going to be now? In the next few years, what kind of professional will I be and what will I be doing?
1: Good attitude. And I, I think that's, you know, the, this is not a forever job. Um, is a good attitude for most people, you know, in the current legal environment, where it's it's unlikely that someone goes from law grad to my first job to retirement and stays in that same job the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say that is the the vast minority. Um, so transitions going to happen.
0: Transition is going to happen, and it's not always going to be your own decision.
1: Right. What was the first action you took? toward getting a new position or toward reestablishing yourself in, in health law, in the legal field?
0: Uh, well, I was uh, networking. That would be the first mm-hmm. step that I took. I was also uh, working with uh, with St. Michael's to help with their transition. So there was <coughs> a period of time where I was working with them. It was an amicable split that way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But... One of the things that being in transition does is it spurs opportunities for networking. Yeah. So by um, letting people know that I had, uh, that I was going to be leaving and then after I left, that I had left, that offered uh, opportunities where people naturally wanted to meet with me, um, usually because they want to find out why, but um, it can turn uh, very quickly into a useful networking session. Uh, So the kinds of questions that I might ask people had to do with uh, what I wanted to do in the future where they thought I might be able to uh, seek something out. And in the early days, I was looking for another senior leadership position in-house in in a not-for-profit healthcare organization.
1: I want to talk a little bit more about the networking. Were you emailing people you know and saying, for example, Hi, Mary, it, it's been a long time. Just letting you know that I'm in a transition period right now and I'm looking for something new. Do you have any ideas? You know, Were, were you being that blunt about things? Or give us an idea of some of the strategy you were using in reaching out to people.
0: Uh, well, initially it was uh, uh, reaching out to people who I either worked with or who uh, were part of my networking while I was in the position, because mm-hmm. networking never really stops. It's just different when you're in a position versus when you're moving to something new. Sure. So, so some of the people I was reaching out to, it was just, uh, it just made sense to reach out the way I would normally. Hey, it's been a while, and we yeah. haven't connected. Do you want to connect? um other people it was um you know there was an announcement because i was uh working with them on something and they needed to know the announcement and that led to them asking if we could connect mm-hmm. uh so ultimately there are times where i would have been essentially that blunt um you know you may have heard that i am no longer at st michael's and I'm just wondering if you have any advice about, and then you would you would sort of insert the question that makes the most sense. Yeah. And so for me, it was whether people had any advice about what I might want to be reading, or um, educational events that they thought I might want to go, or mm-hmm. people they thought I might want to talk to, uh, or if they heard of any positions that were like the ones I was looking for, uh, which were the senior leadership positions.
1: At what juncture do you decide to start the Modovsky Professional Corporation? How did you shift your focus?
0: So what I was finding was that the positions I was looking for were few and far between, um, and that gave me the impression that in the field I was looking in, um, and so I should back up a bit and say I was kind of married to a particular field that I was interested in, um, which is different than if I was looking uh, broadly across any general counsel position in any kind of industry. Um, So I felt that uh, what I was seeing was that there were not a lot of uh, organizations within healthcare that were, at least within the not for profit healthcare world, mm-hmm. that were really investing in senior leadership positions for lawyers. Uh, they were, uh, in some cases, looking for mid career lawyers or for uh, more junior positions than that. And so those positions weren't the ones I was seeking. Mm-hmm but there were very few that were actually um, putting out the kinds of positions that I was really seeking. Um, And that fit with my understanding of the financial pressures on the industry uh, and and my understanding just of of some changes going on within how legal services are being provided and how clients wish to receive them. Mm -hmm. So uh, that being said, uh, the... um, the the kind of thinking that I was doing uh, was, again, some of that, okay, how do I reinvent myself thinking? But it was also tied into um, where can I best provide uh, my services? Where can I best provide what I have to offer? And um, it came down to uh, me thinking that I can provide what I offer to multiple institutions. So not just to one institution at a time, but that some smaller organizations that might need uh, a general counsel level of Mm -hmm. expertise wouldn't be able to afford a full-time salary. And so uh, I felt that it was uh, the best use of, of... my uh uh, of my expertise to be able to offer it um more broadly and that led me to think about well how will i do that and figure out what kind of business model would i want to um to use to provide that
1: yeah so that's that's important to sort of unpack that i think you had you had the scope of the role you wanted pretty narrowly defined i did and at the same time, you had an awareness of the market and essentially its lack of positions, formal positions within that scope. So then you had to think to yourself, well, how can I service the clients in the market while still staying true to what, you know, the job I, I wanted to do? Yeah. And it seems like, you know, the Moldowski Professional Corporation was the way to to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long did it take you to get it off the ground?
0: Uh, so it depends what you mean by get it off the ground, because I feel like I'm still working on that.
1: <laughs> okay, to the point where it was an idea, and, yeah. and, and you said to yourself, I'm going to do this, that's day one, to the point where you you, know, you were open for business.
0: Uh, well, I uh, started my thinking around this issue... In, say, the spring of 2015,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I started my actual planning, formal planning, in September. Uh, I clicked on my status as an individual lawyer to take a file or two in October, yeah. but my hard launch for Moldovsky Professional Corporation was in January uh, of uh, of 2016.
1: So it happened pretty quickly,
0: so yeah, I made that happen pretty quickly um, but then this past year has been about uh, uh building out um the the systems that I use, um, finding the right vendors uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and building my client base yeah. so uh that I feel that having a year of Um, uh, of Moldovsky Professional Corporation um, has gotten me to a place where um, I'm still building my client base, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm now confident that I can at least make back expenses. So I haven't quite made it um, to to being able to pay a salary. That being my salary. (laughs) As I'm the only employee.
1: Well, it hasn't even been, I mean, it hasn't been two years yet. No. So, that's good. How, what, okay, the two biggest challenges between the spring of 2015 to now in in, in growing the Moldovsky Professional Corporation.
0: I would say that uh, building a client base is very challenging. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, although i'm coming at this with uh, a career um, that i've already had um, i i don't have clients to be able to port into um, this firm right? right so so i'm finding clients and building them up from scratch really although i do have a wide network to at least work uh, to work with What I found is that uh, decisions get made very slowly in my target client group. And uh, that means that sometimes I have a really good uh, meeting that is kind of like a, it's networking, but it's like a sales meeting also. You know, I might do really well in that, but then the fruits of that effort might take several months to come to uh, fruition. So that leads to my second major challenge which is the financial one yeah and uh i am uh i'm building um uh a small right now it's a sole practice it might stay a sole practice it won't uh really grow very big uh because of of what i'm looking for in terms of the flexibility that i have with it but In order to do that, I I am using my own financing to start this. So that's a big challenge. Um, Although I do have um, the benefit of coming at this after a career where I've built up some savings to be able to finance my own firm, Mm -hmm. um, it's still very challenging to do so.
1: Yeah, undoubtedly. So before we talk about the Moldowski Professional Corporation more depth. I want to hit on on two things. One, what do you miss most about your role as general counsel at the St. Michael's Hospital? Mm -hmm. And then what aspects do you most enjoy about the Mm Moldowski Professional Corporation reinvention that you're currently experiencing?
0: Right. So I think what I miss most uh, about my GC position is... Uh, the people that I was working with, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the interactions um with people i do still uh I do still know those people, but i um i don't see them oft- often as you might imagine um, you know i'm networking with them, but i'm not seeing them every day um, I miss being part of an organization and especially the organization that I was part of had uh, a mission and values that was really um, you know about helping the general public helping people who needed help. Um, so i miss um, I miss that uh, and I miss the variety of the work. Mm-hmm. but all of that being said, what I like about um and enjoy the most about moldovsky professional corporation is is kind of all the same stuff really uh <laughs> because I still uh I love having the variety of work, and now I get a little bit more variety because I have um more than one um client and more than one type of client um I love the flexibility that I have because I'm the boss I get to call the shots. So I do love that, um, and um, I'm happy to talk a little bit more about flexibility because that was part of the business model that I that I came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love meeting new people and getting to know new organizations. So uh, I'm very interested in in seeing how different each client is and what kinds of similarities they have and what I can leverage from my knowledge. Um, for each of them. So, uh, so there's quite a lot that I'm really enjoying.
1: Good for you. Do you get anything entrepreneurial that I've taken on in my life? I've always been very motivated by the sort of the the energy of growth around things. And even though it sometimes happens slowly, some other times it'll happen in in sort of big chunks. Mm -hmm. And I've always found that, that like, it's almost palpable, and that is so motivating when things roll a little bit. Are you finding that with Moldowski Professional Corporation? I mean, you must now with um, like new clients on board and things probably you know snowballing to um, some extent or another.
0: I do. I, I get excited every time I sign on a new client. Yeah. It's it's like a little celebration for myself. Um, although my my celebration for myself is really just yay. <laughs> It's not really a full celebration, but it feels good. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, and it, it's contrasted with the times when it slows down, that growth slows down, or it's not quite happening. Mm. There's that's when the anxiety comes in about primarily about the money. Yeah. Uh, how am I going to make this work? Um, so and when do I say? Enough is enough, because, uh, you know, I have this this vague idea in my mind that, okay, for this year I wanted, in the first year it was, uh, for this year I want to make sure I make back expenses, um, for the second year I actually would like to make a profit, but, mm-hmm. you know, what? at what point... Do I say, okay, I've tried it and it's not working versus I've tried it and it is working. Yeah. And and so, you know, I get, I get those kinds of bouts of anxiety too.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, it sounds like it's part and parcel of the gig. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the Moldovsky Professional Corporation. What does it do? Uh,
0: so what it does is uh, I provide legal advice and legal planning services um legal planning is a combination of um of sort of operational planning and policy development and the idea there is that I'll go into an organization uh and help them to understand uh, what their legal needs are, identify how best to source those legal needs so what what kinds of lawyers or non lawyers should they be using to manage risks in a particular way? Mm-hmm. um looking at policies to make sure that um their legal risks are being managed in a in a streamlined way and help reduce their Um, external counsel costs. So it's kind of a bundle of those sorts of planning services. Yeah. Um, And that was a a way that I described the kinds of things that a general counsel would do. So basically anything a general counsel would do is a service that I offer. Um, I offer services to healthcare businesses, primarily not-for-profits, Um, and I offer services to not-for-profits that are not healthcare services. And I also offer, um, advice to small business, uh, basic business law for small business.
1: This, I feel as though the, the general counsel for hire model is something that's gaining a lot of steam right now. Um. You know, in in an era where there, I think, you know, the role of general counsel is is growing, mm-hmm. and um, you know, some, some businesses can't afford to have a general counsel on staff full time and to pay that salary, but like you're mentioning, still have that need to um, get those kinds of legal services. So it's it's a nice you know it's a nice um, bridge for that gap that Modoski Professional Corporation offers. Um, very yeah, timely.
0: I hope to, um I I do hope to fill that niche for some organizations. Mm-hmm. My services are provided based on what the client really needs. So some clients will have um, a legal department and just need some backup legal services. Other clients don't have any in-house lawyer mm-hmm. at all, and that's where... I do offer the virtual general counsel type of role. I offer uh, coming on site for uh, for organizations that are uh, close to Toronto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll si- I'll I'll go to their offices. I'll use their systems. So basically, um, adjusting. Uh, the the way that the services are provided to the client's needs. Um, and then I have clients across Ontario, so I'll use online meeting technology to meet with clients that are outside of the GTA as well, so that they can get the same kind of uh, service um, that is available to organizations in Toronto.
1: Yeah, that flexibility is awesome. Very attractive. Um, what actions are you taking, uh, if anything, to market the Moldovsky Professional Corporation and, and to grow the practice?
0: So it is uh, primarily networking, uh, and that's because this really is a, a referral business. Yeah. So uh, that being said, I have been uh, working on publishing articles through Mondack. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, post articles on the same articles on LinkedIn as well. Um, I've been uh, joining different associations to uh, build out my network a bit more. And also um, I offer webinars uh, sometimes through other providers um, to, uh, to get the attention of some potential clients. Uh, And I've been responding to requests for proposals because some of the entities that, I want to work for use, um, a competitive procurement process mm-hmm. for, uh, for some of these services.
1: Good. Um, so what is, you talked about it a little bit, you know, are you going to get to that point where you're like, yeah, this is, this is fully flowing, you know, the, the income's right. The clients are right. I feel satisfied in my career. Or are you going to get to a point, you know, where, and I doubt it that, you're just saying to yourself, "No, I need to reinvent again because this this isn't satisfying all the needs I've set out." But you know, so what is the long-term vision? I mean, you, you talked about those two sort of possibilities on either side of the spectrum, but you know, as as we speak, and let's say long-term is is five years or more. Mm-hmm. But, but what is what is your vision for the Moldowski Professional Corporation?
0: So, uh, when when starting a, a new business of any kind, you have to kind of think about how big do i want this to be what kind of business am i building mm-hmm. and uh one of the things that i wanted to be uh able to do was was be really flexible in a few ways and um one type of flexibility was to be able to uh be if not on the leading edge then close to the leading edge of changes In how legal services are provided so Mm -hmm. that I I don't want to end up left behind because I've got an old model of how, uh, of how I'm meeting the needs of clients. Uh, so in that sense, I do actually think I'll have to reinvent myself in the future um, not because I'm bored, but because, uh, the, the market, the market it. may demand it yeah. and the market, uh, maybe, you know, leaning toward it, if not yet demanding it. And I might want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Another level of flexibility that I wanted to achieve. And, and this is why I chose to be a sole practitioner was that I wanted to be able to bring in the right people for the right job based on what the client needed. Uh, and to do that, I, I work with a network of professionals that I can bring in from time to time as I need to, uh, which would be very limited if I entered into um, a, a partnership or some kind of exclusivity arrangement. So so I do suspect that my long-term vision has me remaining very small, if not a sole practitioner, mm-hmm. uh, because that that I think is is the way to achieve that level of flexibility. There are some things that go along with that, though. It means that my long-term goals really amount to being sustainable, providing a sustainable business model and um and keeping it going and then refreshing the way that i offer the services mm-hmm. as as needed in the future um which is a very different kind of goal than than um someone who wants to build a big law firm and sell it off or something like that
1: yeah maybe we can give a few specific examples of you know the the flexibility that you have as a sole practitioner in providing the legal services for example you, you know, you talked about um, webinars or, you know, advising probably virtually you could do to break down geographic barriers. You, people don't have to come to your office. You don't necessarily have to go to theirs. Um, so what are some other examples? Maybe it's, you know, ways that you're reducing overhead or maybe it's ways that you're meeting client needs in, um, in creative, creative ways.
0: So one example is uh, to to do um, uh, a review of uh, a client's uh, department or organization and to look at how they're meeting their needs Mm -hmm. and advise them on that rather than say, I should be your legal advisor for everything, right? Um, It's more, okay, let's look at what's the best way for the client to... Make sure that they've got reasonable costs for their external counsel, but also that they're not missing uh, big risks because they're uh, refusing to go external for advice. Uh, so that's that's one way. Is that kind of it's departmental like an audit review? Function, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, another way is uh, in training. So I offer certain kinds of training packages. Um uh for instance, with um agreement review mm-hmm. so i'll um I'll help a client by training their staff uh what to look for in an agreement and um and not again assuming that I should be the one to review every agreement, which could keep me flush with cash, but not necessarily be the kind of work that I really want to do in the long term.
1: yeah mm-hmm. nice. What have you learned so far since, you know, the spring of 2015? What are are some of the the big takeaways?
0: I think one is patience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and that's uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I can have a really great discussion with someone and then it doesn't become actual work for me for a very long time sometimes. Uh, So so patience... um, you know, the other piece of, of the patience is there are often times where a client will check on my availability and then not be ready at the point where I gave them my availability. So they're ready two weeks later and I'm not really that available mm-hmm. in that time frame, And yet the client wants it right then because from their perspective they've given me you know a considerable amount of lead time. So that's uh that's something that I've had to get used to and and figure out. It's it's kind of a scheduling thing. Yeah. And um it also is uh a different kind of prioritization because these kinds of things can happen when you're in-house too, but when you're in house and you're prioritizing You're at least prioritizing on behalf of one client, even though you might be dealing with different departments that don't agree on your priority list. (laughs) Um, uh, Now I'm prioritizing different clients. And um, uh, as much as I can make them all feel like they're the number one priority, I will try to, but the reality is they can't be. Yeah. Because that's not how priorities work.
1: So by by definition,
0: by definition, somebody's at the top and someone else isn't, (laughs) um, I've learned, uh, how to speak in a more sales oriented manner. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never had to really sell my services so much before, Um, I've had to sell myself to get a job, but that's a little bit different. Um, So that's new. How to manage uh, responding to a request for proposals as a vendor uh, is very different uh, from having managed requests for proposals as the client seeking services. Yeah. Uh, And... And getting used to being treated as a vendor has been a bit of a learning curve as well. Uh, So people who, excuse me, so people who had uh, been my colleagues now treat me like a vendor or a potential vendor because, of course, I'm um, out there in uh, the business world Mm -hmm. uh, trying to seek business. So it is a little bit different. Sometimes they might not have as much time for me, or they might not phone me back, uh, because they're very busy where, um, uh, I used to always get phoned back. So that just takes a little getting used to.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to the, the sales, um, aspect a little bit and just ask like, what, um, what have you found is important in terms of, sort of just, you know, call it marketing your services or, or selling your services to somebody. Um, you know, what are some of the key elements in that, um, that, you know, a, a, a new grad might be able to use in uh, if they're in a similar circumstance?
0: It's really trying to find out what it is uh, that the potential client needs mm-hmm. and whether or not... That need is something I can offer.
1: Right. So that there needs to be an honest connection, right? I mean, you can't really BS your way into a into a client. I mean, it's just there's no way.
0: No, it's, no. <laughs> uh, no I, you know, it depends on the client and the level of sophistication.
1: Sure.
0: Um, but it's not something I would feel comfortable doing, just yeah. because I wouldn't want to live with that. Mm-hmm. Um. But certainly if there is a a client that's not terribly sophisticated, they might be susceptible to a kind of um, strong sales pitch. Uh, But the the clients I'm looking for are very sophisticated. Uh, They they deal with a lot of salespeople, so they know when they're being uh, manipulated and they know when they're not being manipulated. Um, I find that we, we all have I a want, bit of
1: a radar for that too.
0: I think everyone has a radar for that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've always found that I don't want to, uh, treat any client in a way I didn't want to be treated as a client. So, you know, it just boils down to if they've got a need, then there's something for us to talk about. hmm and uh, and it's just talking about it, too. They may very well decide that they're going to go with somebody else. Um, there are a lot of great lawyers in this field, and I know many of them. And so I really don't feel bad that they're getting work. Um, but there are definitely times where uh, that kind of approach pays off really well because um, the client respects it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, I wish you all the best. Continued success with Moldowski Professional Corporation. We'll have to check in in another year or so and see what the new milestones have been that you've hit in the meantime. Um, is there anything else we should touch on before we, uh, before we wrap this up? Anything else that you wanted to say? I think that we've covered a lot of ground.
0: I think we have covered a lot of ground, and I think that... Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that we got to talk about, uh, issues of transition, uh, because I think that's really important career issues. Uh, and it can be very challenging. Uh, it can be very tough, but, uh, ultimately it does give, um, it it does give you a sense that you can reinvent what you're doing and you can explore. And I think if you approach any transition with a sense of exploration, uh, that helps with networking. That's all networking really is, is having those kinds of exploratory discussions with people and asking them for advice as you explore something new. So so thank you very much for having me and and getting me to talk about these issues (laughs) with
1: you. Fantastic. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care.
0: You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career Advancing Advice, right to your earbuds.